0: Hi, welcome to the Charlotte Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message and that it both encourages and inspires you. Good morning. How are we? Come on, we had the best worship. And how good was Allah? It was a little better than that. How are we? Okay, three people caught that. That's okay. We're warming up. You still got forty-five minutes of me, uh-huh. before I say absolutely anything. I would love to thank uh, Pastor Phil and Pastor Krista for the privilege to get up here. Uh, this is your pulpit, and I hope I do you proud. Uh, if I do say something wrong, he's the man. Don't contact me directly. It is his pulpit, <laughs> not mine. Uh, so now the formality's out the way. My name's Jake uh, or Jacob. Mama calls me Son. And I'm going to talk to you very quickly on the waiting period. So if you're taking notes or you just love mental notes, the title of my sermon is While You Wait. Uh, And disclaimer straight out here, we as believers, we pray for things in our lives. Yep. Simple. God is a good God that comes through. Yep. Sometimes there's a delay. Sometimes we're praying for breakthrough. Sometimes we're praying for blessings. Sometimes we're praying for something. And while we're praying, He doesn't come through instantly. And we're left with this awkward period I'm calling the waiting period. So this morning, very quickly, I'm going to give you three encouragements while you're in your waiting period. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you're good. Thank you that we get the chance to come together. Help me, help them, help us. Amen. So straight into it. Exodus 32.1. Bit of backstory before I say it. Moses has just delivered the Israelites out of Egypt. And what a miracle that was. I'm sure they were very relieved. If you haven't read the book yet, do it. It's amazing. So now they're wandering in the desert, trying to find the promised land. And they're sick of waiting. So they complain. They say, God, you didn't give us any food. I'm starving. Like we're out here. We're in a desert. We've got nothing. So, supernaturally, he gives them food. He gives them manna from the sky. Amazing. They feed it and go, thank you, Lord. They continue on their path. They're sick of walking, and they complain again. Lord, you gave us food, but you didn't give us any water. So Moses, he, uh, he strikes a rock with his staff. He gets water for the people, and now they're, they're not thirsty. Another supernatural miracle. Thank you, God. They're wandering again, still in the desert, They come to the bottom of Mount Sinai and uh, their leader goes up to consult Jesus, consults God a couple of times. The third time, he goes up and he stays there for a bit. He's chatting to God for a bit. And once again, the Israelites are caught waiting and they're kind of sick of it. So they chat to their little 2IC and they say, what are you doing? Our leader's disappeared. Give us a God that can actually lead us. And when you think about it, he just did amazing things. He just saved them three times. But in the space of a very short period, it says, give us a God that can lead us. It says, when the people say how long it was taking Moses to come back down to the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. Come on, they said, make us gods who can lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us out of Egypt. Which is kind of a a slap in the face when you think about it. When we read it, God was just faithful three times. He just came through. And now they forgot it. And they're like, can't do it. But when I think of my own life, I'm I'm a little bit like, I don't know about you guys, but I'm a little bit like that sometimes. I forget God came through. And when I'm waiting, I'm thinking, God, I'm praying, and your Bible says something, and you're not doing it, and I get disheartened. But my first point for us is that God is always good. See, when you look at the story, they were so consumed by their waiting, and they were so consumed by their circumstances, they totally forgot the fact that God actually came through. So if you guys don't know already, I'm a school chaplain Uh, I'm two terms into it, and I absolutely love it. Uh, But my process to get there was a prime example of a waiting period. You see, by the time I got qualified to actually go into a school and chaplain people and actually start, there was 12 months of waiting and all very, very random things. For some reason, uh, the college couldn't give me my certificate because there were admin errors And I had my interviews, and I was on the books as a chaplain, but I couldn't get in because I was missing this piece of paper. And I provided three other substitutes to say that I'm here and I've done it, but I just couldn't do it. Six months, I got the piece of paper, and I go for three interviews. And uh, the manager at the time said, we did a little profile of your personality, and what we do is we give you interviews based on schools that are compatible. We think your personality will be perfect for hitting the young people in these schools. So they're like, it's guaranteed. It's so a walk in the park. You're going to nail it. It's going to be great. First interview, go in. I thought I did great. I walked out going, oh, God, it's good. So good. Two weeks later, I get a call. Hey, we didn't pick you. I mean, we didn't pick anyone. We're going to reapply for people, but you're just not really what I'm after. I was like, okay, okay, cool, cool. So for the second school, went in, it was a primary school, and I was like, yeah, I'm good. I've got the piece of paper and everything. I'm really great. And they said, oh, nah, you just, we want someone that's a little bit, no, younger, older. I don't know, they didn't say. They said, we want someone else. I thought, man, these were supposed to be guaranteed. They even found my personality match. Like, it was good. Nah, not happening. And then the third school, I lined up for the interview. I didn't even get to the school. A couple of days beforehand, I got a call. Hey, I know we said it was good, but we actually picked someone else. And they're going to start at the same time as you. Whatever school you find, you're just going to start at the same time. So you guys can be besties, but it's just not going to be you. And I thought, okay, I'm waiting. I did all this study. Like, It's not good. You know, when I look back, the first two schools that I didn't get closed for extended periods of time because there were active cases of COVID-19. I would have started, I would have done five weeks, and I would have cut it, and I would have been back home and done absolutely nothing. I'm praying for those chaplains, but I'm kind of glad it wasn't me. And the third school, turns out the staff and the students and the community are really against chaplaincy. And they've made it super toxic. And we started at the same time, and that chaplain's already quit because the school rejects chaplaincy. And you know what? I'm so glad that I went through the waiting period because now I'm in two schools, and the kids are perfect for what I want. The staff are so supporting, and I've actually had financial favour in businesses that have rejected chaplaincy in the past. I've had seven businesses come on board with my plans, five of which said to the old chaplain, no, we're not really religious. We don't want to support your endeavors. We don't want it. And a quick email and they said, oh, you're the chaplain? Yes. We want to give you 500 bucks each business. And it's just favor upon favor. And I'm so glad that I waited because I would have missed what God wanted. You know, Someone in the Bible who I admire for their waiting. Parents, grandparents, hear me out. Mary. Huh? Yeah, I know. The, the woman that gave birth to Jesus. I know. Picture this. You're a young woman. Angel comes to you and says, you're going to have a kid. It's going to be saviour of the world. It's going to be saviour of the world. Okay. Bit of an expectation. Now, we know Jesus was divine and human. He was 100% God. He was 100% human. So in his humanity, when he was a baby, parents, he was screaming. He didn't sleep through the night. He wouldn't feed. He had to change nappies every two minutes. <laughs> Babies are hard. A toddler, he was running around. He didn't want to get changed. He's kicking toads or something. He was a kid. And parents, I don't know. I haven't had one. But it would be, it would be a little stressful, right? Right? You would think raising a child would be stressful. Now you've got the expectation that he's going to save the world. When he's sitting there like eating after kangaroos and kicking his toes on rocks, you're thinking this kid is going to save the world? It's a baby. And then on top of that, while you're trying to raise the saviour of the world, you have kings and armies pulling you out of your home. Just like Alice said, trying to get the blood of your child. That would be stressful to say the absolute least. You know, she was human. At some point, I think Mary would have said, I can't do this. I'm trying to raise a kid that's going to save the world. I can't even get there because there's swords at her back door. I can't do this. But you know, I'm so glad that she hung in there. I'm so glad that while she waited... For the king to come, she stuck it out. Because it's because she waited and because she stayed faithful that Jesus grew up, did his ministry, died on the cross. That Come on, church, I'm to be saved from sin and condemnation because what Jesus did for us. How good is that? Come on, church, I'm so glad that she waited. You see, all that I'm doing, all that we have to do, all that the Israelites had to do is just look back. He's been faithful before. God's been good before. And we can declare that he's going to be faithful again and he's going to be good again. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is Jehovah Jireh. If he was good before, he's going to be good now. And I guarantee for years to come, he's going to be good again. So I'm not sure what you're waiting for. I'm not sure what you're praying for, but can I encourage you if you are waiting? He's been good. He's gonna be good. And we can declare in the future, He is a good God. Oh, you believe that? Give Him a shout of praise. He is a good (laughs) God. Thank you, Lord, for being a good God. He's done it. He's gonna do it. And He will do it. He's always good. Point two, everybody... Waits. We all pray. And at some point in our lives, we've all had to wait for something. See, we as believers are bred for community. We are meant to be with other believers. Your circumstances can feel manageable if you're with other believers. The waiting period is not time to isolate yourself. It's time to immerse yourself in believers. It's time to get behind people. You know, everyone waits, but there's a very good chance multiple people may be waiting for the same thing you are. And how good would it be if we highlighted people that are waiting for the same thing and we prayed together, we believed together, we showed each other's circumstance, we showed each other's progress, and at the end of the day, we can all get through it together? How much harder would it be if you were by yourself? So I went online, I did some research, and uh uh-huh, if anyone's medical, you're gonna love this. I found a medical university in the States that did a research study on mental health in the last two years for isolation. And the statistics say, for the sample population, 38% of people, when isolated, identified as tired and lacked energy. 36% were having sleep um, disturbances. They couldn't sleep. And a quarter of the population used the words depressed and hopeless when isolated. Now, premise, I'm 23. My political and professional advice, if it was a copy stamp, I haven't even got my first coffee yet. I am not qualified to give political and professional advice. When I talk isolation, I'm not talking COVID-19. I'm talking isolation in 2000, in the 90s, when we are drawn away from community. So if you've been told to isolate, please do. Please do. Doctors are so much smarter than me. Trust me. Ask my wife. Paul great example. He wrote books and letters to the church in prison. He was literally isolated, like he didn't have a bug to talk to. Bugs are cool. He did amazing things. He still consulted multiple churches. He built churches. He believed with people. He wrote letters that still today we can take stuff out of. And he was in a prison cell. If we get isolated, we've got Skype, Zoom, text, messenger, email, even letters. We can still be in community while we're waiting. There is nothing stopping us from gathering with believers and being in community when we are waiting and praying and believing for God to do something. See, we might not be in a jail cell, but sometimes we feel it. That's what isolated means. You're away from people. Can I encourage you, when you're believing and waiting, let's take that step back forward. Let's call Phil and say, hey, I'm struggling with something. I want to hang out with my friends and let them pray into it because it feels so much more manageable when we're with people. Proverbs. It's a cool book. It mentions four chapters about community. I think Solomon, whenever he wrote it, he had an idea that we wanted to catch. Super quick, in chapter 11, when there is no guidance, a person falls, but in abundance of counsellors, there is safety. The next chapter over, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Three chapters straight after that. Without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. A couple after that. Listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. Many are the plans of the mind of the man, but as the purpose of the Lord that will stand. I think we're trying to get something. We're trying to get a point across. We're not supposed to be alone. So if you're waiting for something, I would love to pray that you find the right people. You find the right support system. And God even brings you people for your life, for your situation, yeah. because that is going to feel so much manageable. You're going to get so much further and you're going to feel better when you've got people around you yeah. in your waiting. Is that all right? Yeah. Point three, nothing else will do. See, when you're waiting, when you're waiting for God to come through, Nothing is second. There is nothing that is substitute from hearing from God. Nothing else will do. It's just like a song, hey. Nothing else to do. I just want you, Kim. We should write that. That's cool. See, I'm a graph person. So if you were to look at it in a linear graph, our life is a line. We know that God knows what's going to come ahead. He knows what we're going to go through. He knows the circumstances. He knows the pain. He knows what's going on. But has anyone thought to think that God knows the breakthroughs that are coming? Yeah. He knows what we're going to go through. He knows the victories we're going to have. Yeah. He knows for a fact the breakthroughs that we're going to have. And if he was to look at this line, we might be here. We've got breakthrough, 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 breakthrough. That's a victory. That's financial. That's a burden gone. And he's sitting there going, it's right there. You just got to wait it out. You just got to believe for it. He's already preloaded our breakthroughs. We just got to believe for it and sit on it and pray for it and go for it because it's already there. If we know he's already good and we've got people around us, it's going to happen. We just got to believe for it. He's preloaded our breakthroughs. It could be anything. Financial breakthrough, he's done it. Health breakthrough, he's done it. He's always good. Family situations, he's done it. It's always good. See, some classic examples in the Bible. We're talking about the leper that touched Jesus' robe. How about we talk about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they jump in the furnace? We're talk about the group of friends that carried their crippled friend down from the roof. The only thing I have in common is that they knew the one thing that could save them. And that was the touch of Jesus. Nothing else will do. They just wanted Jesus. Can you imagine that leper trying to get through the crowd, trying not to get stampled on, just to maybe reach the hem of his cloth? Ridiculous. Not when you know that Jesus will do. He's what you want and nothing else substitutes it. Can you imagine logistically carrying a paralyzed friend up onto the roof, lowering him down in the middle of the room and precisely dropping him exactly where Jesus can see, there would have been crowds. Do you think they were architects? I don't know. But they knew, above all things else, that Jesus was what they needed. Nothing else will do. Do you reckon Shadrach, Mishra, and Abednego, they were scared? It was hot. We live in Queensland, it's already hot. They went in a furnace. I don't know if you'll be here for summer, but it's hot. I get sunburnt just driving. They were going to burn to a crisp. And the king said, yo, if you just said your God's not God, you're free. I'll you know, buy you beer or something. Just chill out. They said, nah, nothing else will do. Nothing else will do. I'm leaving for breakthrough. I want to see something change. Nothing, no false God, no fire will stand in the way. Nothing else will do. They just wanted Jesus. I don't know what you're going through. You don't know what I'm going through. But we all have one thing in common. And that's Jesus is the solution. And while He's preloaded all our breakthroughs, and while we've got people around us, we can't settle for anything else. We cannot settle for anything else. Imagine... In my chaplaincy example, if I just said to myself, three interviews, strike one, two, three, you're out. I've got a job at Woolies. I'll just go back to being manager. It's cool. Pays the bills. It's all right. It would have been an honest living, and I love Woolies, but I would not have met all these kids that I'm touching. I wouldn't have all this money raised for a community, and I wouldn't see people healed of identity issues that they're facing, I wouldn't have the chance to sit with people that don't have friends. I wouldn't have the chance to do all these amazing things I get to do. I'm so glad I didn't settle for anything else. And I'm believing that we don't settle for anything else either. Well, as we recap, God's always good. He's always good. He's been good. He is good. And He's going to be good. Two, Community get yourself around some people. Jesus had 12 friends all the time. I haven't got 12 friends, but it's an example. And 3. Nothing else will do. So right? I'd love to pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for our waiting period. Thank you for the breakthrough that we're going to have. We declare that you are good. You've always been good. You are good. And you always will be good. You are a good God. Lord, I pray for community. I pray for the people that interact with us while we're waiting. I pray that you give us the right people for the right time with the right counsel. I pray that you weed out the people we don't need to hear. And Lord, I declare nothing else will do. While we may be distracted either side, anchor our thoughts, anchor our vision. We just want you, Jesus. We just want you, Jesus. We just want you, Jesus. Nothing else will do. We just want you, Jesus. Amen. I am Thank you for joining our podcast. We hope you were blessed by today's message. You can connect with us at shilohchurch.com.au.